today we're supposed to be starting a brand new series entitled Here Now, um, but we're going to push it back a week. Uh, I was excited about it. Uh, it's about how prophets um, are called to speak foretellings a lot of times about what God is going to do. And so, um, you know, in, in, in Zechariah chapter 9, uh, verses 9 through 12, we have the prophet speaking of the coming of the Christ, the coming of the Messiah. And we were going to talk about that in light of this Christmas season, how even though Jesus is coming, uh, one of the main functions of a prophet is to not just encourage you about the future, but to encourage you about today in light of the future. And so we were going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about victory, peace, hope, and freedom as we approach Christmas time. But we're going to take a pause for the calls. And uh, like I said, we're six weeks old, and I, I just thought it was a good time to uh, share our story as a church, um, where we came from, uh, who we are, and then tell you why we are here in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, so today is entitled, Why We Are Here. Um, but before we get into that, I want to tell you how we got here. Um, so we're going to be all over the Bible. I don't have a, a, a main text this morning. You guys know I like to typically pull out an entire story, and we break it down, and I give you some points. But we're going to be all over the place. So uh, you can either pull out your phones or your, or your Bibles, or you can pay attention to the screen. If I were you, I would pay attention to the screen because uh, I'm lazy like that. But um, it all started with a, a lot of love for people and a, and a strong desire um, personally, for me, for people to just know Jesus. And I actually have a, which is funny, it's her first time here. Her and her beautiful family are sitting in the back there, uh, a college friend who knows this. Uh, I had a buddy in, in, in college. His name is Kevin. And, uh, man, we were, we were relentless. We were unashamed of the gospel, almost to the point where it was very repulsive. You know, just those are the two church guys. Stay away from them. They're judgmental. We didn't know any better. We were, on, we were on fire for God, and we just wanted people to know Jesus. And so that's just kind of how it is. Um, diversity has always been a big deal for me. Um, I, I picked up around high school, college, that I was able to effectively communicate to different types of people um, and relate to them almost the same. You know, so I have a black friend, a white friend, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, and it's like I'm cool with all of them, you know, and not just that, they could be 80 years old, 50, 40, 30, all the way down to whatever, you know, and, and we just always connected. I, I was never the type to stay in one area, stay in one lane, um, so diversity has always been a big deal. If you look in Revelation 7, 9 through 10, it says this here. It says, after this, uh, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus Christ. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So in 2012, I, 
ripped up my medical school applications, threw them in the trash. I said, okay, God, I'm yours. I'm not going to run anymore. I know you're calling me into ministry. I know you're calling me. So I don't know what it looks like, but uh, I know what you're doing. So a lot of times uh, what's key in your walk with Christ is that you develop and that you grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is the third person in the, in the Trinity, in the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people miss the Holy Spirit's function in your life. And one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to guide you in all truth, to guide you in all truth. Jesus even went as far as saying this. He said that um, um, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you, he himself has received directly from me. So I don't mean to spook us out, but if you know the voice of the Holy Spirit and if you've been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and you feel a certain leading or prompting or conviction and you know it's clear in God's word, nine times out of ten, the Holy Spirit has given you a message directly from Christ. And one thing I've always felt from a natural standpoint and a spiritual standpoint is that, God, if I'm going to say yes to you and we're going to start a church, uh, it's going to have to be a very diverse church. I feel as though that's where you're leading me. So diversity is a big deal. Um, and so as you can see in heaven, it says here, no one could count. So we know that numbers matter to God. This was an immeasurable number of souls in heaven. And we also know every nation, tribe, people, and language. So let me, let me give you this pro tip. This isn't even in my, in my message regarding the political season that we're in. You know what God's will is in a season like this because the spirit of the world operates in direct opposition to the will of God. What I see in this church is the will of God. We have people of all ages, races, and backgrounds. But what politics seems to do, I don't know, it may be somebody behind the deal running the show, uh, <coughs> say, um, it tends to, sorry, it ten, he tends to divide. The spirit of Christ is a unifying spirit. And so we said yes in 2012, uh, went on a 21-day fast in 2013, every January. I hope you are around for uh, January uh, 2017. We do a 21-day fast. It's going to be called Stretch. It's going to be amazing. January 2014, my wife has a dream. Um, we're, we're on another 21-day fast. We, we just conceived our, our baby boy. She wakes up like 3 o'clock in the morning. So this is the how we got here. So I don't, I don't want to spook you out, but I just think this is super cool. She wakes up around 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Josh, wake up. Wake up. And I'm like, okay, okay. All right, all right. Wake up. Wake up. I just had a dream. There's a woman in my dream. She's in a dark room, and she has a book in her hand. And she's saying, 21 Ocean, 21 Oceans, 21 Oceans, please come help. 21 Oceans, 21 Oceans. And she's, she's in despair. She's in dismay. She's asking and she's calling for help. And, and then a white light just, just transcends this, this dark room. And I wake up. And so I, I need to get up. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? She, she gets her phone. And she'll, she can tell the story better than me. She says that she was fighting the urge to go back to sleep. But for some reason, she felt as though this dream was a dream she had to wake up on. And so she woke up. The first thing she does, she goes to Google, 
and she types in 21 Ocean. Because after we said, yes, we're trying to figure out, we're in Orlando, Lord, where are you sending us? Like, we don't sense it here in Orlando. Orlando is very diverse, but we just don't sense it here. Um, We've always had a heart for this kind of northeast DMV area, but we don't know where you're sending us. So um, 21 Ocean, she types it in. And out of the, the top three that make sense, there's a street that says 21 Ocean Drive. And it says 21 Ocean Drive, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. All right, follow me, because the dream, the, the dream will get you out of this room, because, okay, this is spooky church, okay? This guy is talking about dreams. Just give me some, some Bible and some practical points. Okay, stay, stay with me. The Bible is filled with dreams. The Bible is filled with dreams. As a matter of fact, I checked her dream to confirm it. In Acts chapter 16, there's a man, Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia who's saying, come, we need your help. We need you to come to Macedonia to share the gospel. Joseph has dreams. Ezekiel, Isaiah, dreams are very biblical, but we're not going to address that today. So I said, okay, Rehoboth Beach. All right, Delaware. All right, Delaware. Okay, cool. So we, we don't want to jump the gun, right? Um, so I give Chris, who's our, our he, he's not our roommate quite yet. We're, we'll be roommates soon. Uh, I give Chris uh, seven criteria to search because I'm like, it can't be Rehoboth Beach because there are only 1,500 residents there. I believe God is calling us to a bigger city. And so um, over the course of a few weeks, I say, Rehoboth is Hebrew. I've heard that name somewhere. And so I look. And in Genesis 26, you see Isaac, who's the promise to Abraham. He's the son of Abraham, the father of our faith. It's weird. I really don't have time, so I'm going to have to shorten my points. So Abraham was called from home in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. I'm calling you to go to a place that I will show you. So I'm calling you, but until you go, watch this, I can't show And a lot of you are in a place in life where you're stagnant. You're just staying, and God is calling you to go somewhere. Until you actually take that step of faith, God can't show you what's on the other side of it. So I'm not saying move from here to Florida. I'm just saying go across the street and talk to your neighbor. You don't know what God has in store for you in that relationship. So Abraham, faith, booyah. He waits 25 years. God fulfills his promise, has Isaac. Boom. In the midst of that, he has another child named Ishmael because he's an imperfect man, but God still chooses to use us in our imperfection because he's a gracious God and we're just people. And as long as we say yes to God, he'll still use us. He'll still bless us. Anyway, so Isaac is searching for land. He goes to a well that used to be owned by his father, Abraham, is plugged up by an enemy camp. There's hindrance. Okay, I can't go there. He goes to another well. It's plugged up by an enemy camp. Okay, I can't go there. He goes to another well. I can't go there. He finally finds a well. No hindrance. No confusion. All clarity. And he says, this is the place. This is it. This is it. Because wells in in Abraham and Isaac's time represented prosperity and ownership. Like, this is the place where I'm supposed to be. And he named it Rehoboth. In the Hebrew, <laughs> Rehoboth means the vast expanse where we will flourish. 
the reason I'm casting vision is because I'm trying to get you in my church. <laughs> this church is designed to flourish, okay? The vast expanse where we will flourish. And so I say, okay, we're going to go to Wilmington. Delaware itself is mostly, mostly white and black and a sprinkle of everyone else. I know it's not Delaware. Let's go to Wilmington and let's look around. Wilmington is the, the largest city in Delaware, but it's in the middle of three states. You go west, you hit Maryland. You go north, you hit Pennsylvania. You go east, you hit New Jersey. And so I employ my natural desire over the next few months, and I typed in most diverse cities in America. Are you following me? Does this is, okay. We didn't just pop up here. Most diverse cities in America. And every list you would find, top five, top 10, top 15, you would find at least four or five cities in Maryland alone in each list. Silver Spring, Gaithersburg, Germantown, um, Rockville, at least those four. And so we took a trip up. Chris, I, my good friend Jason, who had a lot to do with this process, but he was called to Orlando. We love him to this day. Um, you see his fingerprints all over this place. Um, we, we took a trip up, four-day trip, and we're walking around. Uh, we're riding around Rockville. We go even down to D.C., up to Silver Spring kind of in Gaithersburg, and I'm just like, man, I, I don't feel it. I don't, I don't think that we're supposed to be here. We're going to start this church in Orlando. And so uh, that last day, we go to Silver Spring, and we go to a park, and uh, I tell the fellas, I say, man, I just need some time alone because I'm, I'm confused. I don't sense God. Jesus hasn't opened up heaven and came down and said, this is where you're going to plant. <laughs> Because that's just not how it works, right? Like, he's, he's chilling on the right hand. He's good, you know. Um, and so I, I pray, and I go off to some trees, and I'm like, well, this is the last day, Lord. Where are you sending us? What's going on? Nothing. And I'm, I'm going back and forth. Just, God, tell me something. And the Holy Spirit says, look, you don't have a physical Bible on you. Google, Google uh, search spreading the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And so I open it up. I go to openbible.com. I'm looking at these different verses. And one verse says, anyone that believes in the Lord shall be saved. Another verse is the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go unto the nations and make disciples. Another verse says, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pick up a common denominator in my search. God was pretty much trying to tell me that Jesus is needed everywhere. So you choose, and I'll use. You choose, and I'll bless it. He's imploring me to use my faith again to trust him. So I say, okay, we're going to go home and sleep on it. We're going to plant in Orlando. So the next day, we're heading out. We're eating uh, at a burger place in uh, downtown Crown. What is it? Uh, uh, the one that starts with an S. No, it wasn't City Burger. Smash Burger. Yes, yes. City Burger was in Bethesda. I don't know why it closed down. And so my wife calls me. She says, babe, did you guys really go through Gaithersburg? And I said, I think we did. And um, we, I said, okay, fellas, let's go to Gaithersburg High School. Stick with me. I got, I got some scripture later on, okay? <laughs> Stick with me. You guys get tired real quick. Just, ah. I said, okay, let's go to the high school. And we park. Beautiful school. Beautiful school. 
and we walk up, and we just stand and we look over the football field. There's some low league soccer games going on. And I just look at the breeze and the trees, and still nothing naturally attracted me. They're walking around, and I don't know. I just, I just felt the peace come over my heart. You know, I felt the peace. Because the Bible describes that a type of peace that exists that surpasses all understanding. There's a peace that exists that when you're trying to figure out, well, Lord, if this is the place, this means that people are going to be quitting their jobs, leaving their families. They're, they're going to be altering their entire lives just based upon my word. This is a lot of weight to go to, go to a place that they've never been. And a peace just hit my heart. And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit said, this is the place. I want you to claim it by faith, and I'm going to bless it. There are people here that need this church. They don't know it, but I'm telling you to get started. And so I turned around, and we were going to the car, and they were, you know, Chris, don't be focused. You'd be <laughs> tripping out. And I, I just kind of said under my breath, man, God saves the best for last. And we got in the car, and we headed back to Orlando. And uh, we're here now. The first six or seven that Megan mentioned said no to this deal. They said, no, we're not moving. We love you. We believe in you. But no. And they're doing great things with their lives. Watch this. Um, so we say seven because me and my wife, Chris, but it was originally me, my wife, and Chris. So the, first, the, the next six that we meet, Chow and Chrisia. Chow is our connections director. Chrisia is our HL Kids director. They say yes around late summer, early fall of 2015. Um, Megan, uh, she's on the video out there at the refresh. She's our administrator. She was a part of the original group that said no. God brought her back around through certain circumstances, and she's here. Praise God. We love her. Um, Sam and Lance... <laughs> This one is funny, man, because uh, it was 2015, I would say early summer, somewhere around there. They come to a Bible study, Tuesday Bible study. It's just six of us. And Lance is like, yeah, man, I'm moving. This is it. This, I don't even know these people. This is the place. And because and, I, I knew Sam, his wife, who's not here, but she was, she, she was the video, the Y60. I knew it. Like, I felt as though Sam left that night after he said all that stuff. And even in prayer, he prayed our founding verse, and he didn't know it. I felt as though when they got in the car that night, she, like, choked him out like Bart Simpson. Like, and, and so I was right, because we didn't hear from him for, like, five months. <laughs> what happened to Lance? It's because his wife was taking some time to process this deal. And then, do we like this story? Is it okay? Cool. I feel as though we should chill a little bit. We got super steps, too, if you want to check that out. Become a superhero. Quick plug. Um, so, yeah. So, Becca, um, September, uh, she discovers an, in, an Instagram post. And we put September 2016 Gaithersburg. Uh, and she must have searched, like, high, uh, hashtag church plant or something. She's from Williston, North Dakota. And I'm like, whoa. And so she's in contact with Chris for a little while. And Chris 
uh, encourages her to shoot me an email, and she does. And we have a face, a Google Hangout video chat for like three hours. Like this lovely, beautiful, just spirit-filled young lady. And um, we, we have her come in. I, I talked to one of my mentors at this great church in North Carolina, and he says, dude, you need to get on that. Like, have her come into the city, pay for her ticket, and pay for everything when she gets there. She comes in in November, two months later, a complete stranger into our home. It just clicks. I, I felt as though she was supposed to be here. Little did I know, some loved ones were also betting her to move with them and plant a church. Mind you, these people are amazing people, but she chose Highlight Church, and she's here way from North Dakota. And so I say all that to say this. Now watch this. My wife and I knew Krizia and Chow for less than a year. We knew Sam and Lance for less than a year. We knew Becca for like less than six months. And we knew Megan longer because she's family. But there was no relational equity in any of it. Have we still been following the story? From the dream to how we got here to the relate. Like the, the first six I've known since I was Yehi. Like, I can bank on them. But we had no relational equity. We moved with a calling and a strong desire for God to use us beyond our capacity to comprehend. And when you've availed yourself to God in that way, oh, my God, you better watch out. He's going to show up. He's going to show up. You keep giving yourself to God so that he can continue to do the impossible in your life. And so it's been an amazing thing. Um, how did this happen? Well, obviously, only Jesus orchestrated this. Matthew 16, 18 says this. It says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Key phrase there, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus himself build this church. Um, Jesus himself is building churches all around the world. We'll talk about Peter a little later. This is like a prophecy. Peter actually preaches the first sermon when Jesus goes to heaven. 3,000 people get saved and the church starts. All right, so build my church. The word church is ecclesia in Greek. Ecclesia or ecclesia, that's the way I pronounce it. It means called out ones. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he calls you out of the world into a faith-filled community, not to just attend a building on Sunday, but to become a part of a body that's alive and that's active and moving in the world, okay? So it can be me and Bobby at Starbucks. We're the church in Starbucks because the people represent the church, okay? And so what Jesus did was he called 12 ordinary people and he put them together and he said, I'm going to take you under my wings for three years and you're going to have an impact that you can't even imagine. And it's because of those 12 or 11 men, Judas, you know, you can't count him, but you can count Matthias, that we're sitting in this room today. All right. Are we good? Can we clap that up? Now we're going to head into our points. Does that make good sense? So why, why we are here as a church, and not just the nine, because we become bigger now than just nine people. We are uh, 30 superheroes deep, and we continue to invite people here. Mm. 
Number one, we're here to share the good news. If you're taking notes as a church, we're here to share the good news. Now, all of us love great news. We love to give it. We love to receive it. Um, we love when someone that, that we like or we love, we love when they're having a new baby. Uh, we like when two people that we highly respect and, and like when they're getting married. Uh, we love a new movie. Like, I'm, I'm trying to go see Hexall Ridge soon. I hear it's amazing. Uh, we love great food. Or, or, you know, girl, what did you get those shoes, man? What did you get that hat, man, that jacket? We love great clothes. We love great food. In Orlando, there are a lot of great places to eat. Um, but one of my go-to spots in there everywhere was the Cheesecake Factory. Anyone love Cheesecake? Cheesecake Factory. The thing that always messed me up about Cheesecake Factory is that there are 250 items on the menu. And um, a lot of things at Cheesecake Factory are good. Some aren't. Um, I personally recommend the chicken carbonara. Get the green peas and the bacon bites and the, uh, the pasta and the cheese. Um, some of their steaks are amazing. But there's one thing on their menu. <laughs> My wife and Chris know this. There's one thing on their menu that just does not fail. <laughs> it's the red velvet cheesecake. <laughs> Come on, clap it up for Jesus. Like, that has to be up in heaven somewhere. As far as I hear, we're supposed to be eating in heaven. I hope it ain't just no fruit. The red velvet cheesecake. Oh, my God. I, I've been known to tell strangers about this. Like, people that I don't even know, I stop on the street. Man, have you heard about that red velvet cheesecake? You need to try some out. It's amazing. Um, it'll never fail you. It'll never fail you. It'll never fail you. What do you want for Christmas? I want a red velvet cheesecake. What do you want for your birthday? Red velvet cheesecake. What do you want for dinner? Red velvet cheesecake. Cheesecake Factory. It's good news. It's good news. It's almost as if life has a menu as well. Like you got all these different things that you can, you can choose from, and we choose this, we choose that. We choose to believe the best thing about this and that, and sometimes we choose the wrong decision, so it leaves us sick, it leaves us broken. Sometimes we choose great decisions. That was a great experience, but it didn't fulfill. It's almost as if life has a menu to choose from. And what I want to say is, is that if red velvet cheesecake is good enough to share, Jesus Christ is good enough to share. Jesus himself is good enough to share. The love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the news we must share as a church. And it says it here. Um, you know, this news is so good that God sent an angel to first announce it. Luke 2, 8 through 14 says this. The night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby when, when Jesus was born, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I love when we read the Christmas story, and sometimes I hate when we read the Christmas story. Yes, I'm a pastor. I just said that. Um, the reason I hate it is because it becomes so, like, secondhand nature. And we totally miss 
the greatness of it. Watch this. When Jesus was born, this is what an angelic being told us. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will see a baby wrapped snugly, strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The good news is this. The good news is that Jesus is for everyone. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you did last night. Doesn't matter what you did a year ago. He's for you. And what this verse tells me is, is that, like we say down south, I don't know if we say it up here, like we used to in my, in my generation when I was younger. Like, bro, we're good. I don't have any beef with you. Like, we're, we're straight. No beef. What heaven is saying, like, I have no beef with you. Because Jesus, Jesus took care of the beef that we had. Like, your sin separated you from me, but my son came and took that away, and now we're all good. We're all good. And it's up to, come on, let's clap that up. That's good. That's, that's the good news. That's the good news. And I, I think the reason it's so difficult is because it's so simple. Like, man, that's, like, that's it? So you're telling me I don't, gotta, I don't have to go to church every Sunday? I don't have to dress this way. I don't, I don't have to talk this way. I don't have to look this way. I don't have to be somebody I'm not in order for me to be in a relationship with God. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You can be you because God created you to be you. And he sent Jesus for you. I encourage you to read the book of Galatians. It deals with the law and grace. And so... What we see here is we see that heaven came to earth and the hiller came to the hurt. A few practical ways that we do this as a church. So when you come in, we, we greet you. We want your experience to be as pleasant as, as possible. I'm of the idea that people battle with the devil all week. Why should they have to come to church and deal with them too? Right? This is a good news church. As well... There are, um, we, the, the way we do our outreach here, finances and foot soldiers, um, a few things. Child will be sharing this a little later. It is our goal to give a dime of every dollar at the end of each month to our outreach partners. Um, one of the ways we're going to start that is here in this middle school. They need 30 Google Chrome books to enhance their educational experience. So we're going to try to buy two or three for starters for Christmas. Earlier this year, we, we uh, volunteered at Mana Food. We're going to try to cut them a check as well. And early next year, we're going to link up with Identity Youth, a great organization that reaches out to minority teens, um, primarily Hispanic and African American. But we want to share the good news in practical ways. God didn't call his church to meet in a building. We're supposed to go out into the world. People need to know that the Lord loves them and he's there. Number two, we are here to create and cultivate community. Create and cultivate community. A lot of people ask me a lot, especially church planning friends and other pastors who, who want to 
do this one day or uh, they, they see that, okay, God is really blessing your process. Like, where did you get your team? Like, did you, did you go to a church planning store and say, well, Chris costs this much. I'll take 10000 for him and I'll take Chow for twenty. No, like that, that's not how it happened at all. Chow's funny, man. Um, we've heard the term that says don't fix it if it's not broken. So when we say create and cultivate community, as a team of, of nine that originally moved, we've created and cultivated community since day one. Like when you have less than a year to do something this big with people, it's not how much time you have, it's what you do with the time you have. And so we were very intentional about, number one, uh, initiating contact and developing our relationships during that year span. We call 2015 the year of preparation. And so there would barely be a day that we wouldn't text one another or call each other, check up on each other, um, go and take a trip or go and do games, pray, spend one-on-one time together, hold each other accountable. What we were doing was we were building trust with each other. We got real with one another. Chow would call me over a lot of times and just tell me some things. I would tell him some things. Say, man, we we need to both pray on that. If we're going to lead a church, this stuff can't be existing. You know, Chrissy and Kyra and Megan and Becca, they they would all link up and get to know one another. A lot of people ask, how did you do it? Like, you're not paying these people. There are no guarantees. There's nothing. Like, why are they moving? Why are they quitting jobs? It's because we developed a trust for one another. And we, we got our minds set on one mission, and that mission was the glory of God. That, that mission was the, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Highlight Church values the people that God sends our way. This is the reason why on the Tuesday you get a phone call from us or, or a letter in the mail. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your giving. We will, we will track you down. There's a reason why, and hopefully if, if they have, you tell me. There's a reason why when you go out to coffee and breakfast and lunch and dinner that we pay. There's a method behind that madness. Because it, it started from, from the ground. It started when we were just nine, we were praying, and we were just saying, God, how can you use us in practical ways to reach people? Like, if I feel this way about Becca, someone in Gaithersburg needs to meet her they need to understand she's an awesome person. Like, she, she, she's a good advisor. She pays for your meals and all that. So we can't, we can't stop this when we get to Gaithersburg. We create it, and we are developing community. And we continue to find this out about the churches. Unfortunately, in this area, there are some great ones. But we continue, we've heard, man, I haven't found a church in six months. I haven't found a church in a year. I haven't been, one, one person said four years, and they've been in this area. Nothing against these churches, but what I'm saying is there, there are some key factors that aren't being executed in this area, and it further proves why we're here. So we started to create. Thank you. Come on. Give that a praise, Miss Sharon. Someone to find true life. You know, people go to church for a lot of different reasons. One of the main ones is to develop great relationships. The first century church was built on great community. I hope you understand something, too. I'm trying to bring it back to what it's about, right? Watch this. Acts 2, 41 through 47. 
Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. This is after Jesus went to heaven, go change the world. Peter preaches 3,000. The first church was a mega church. I'm a pastor, and I, I try to sympathize a little bit, but when people say, I hate big churches, I understand. But if big church is done in the right way, it's an amazing thing. Because there's a way churches can get bigger and shrink at the same time, and it's through community. Watch this. This is how they shrink. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe. Verse 44, let's skip down. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. Before we change the world, we have to help people in the church. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. Met in homes in the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. What do you need? And all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. A church that cultivates and creates and cultivates community is supposed to grow. Because there's supposed to be something about a church that when you come in, you sense the presence of God. Now, the word fellowship is found in here in verse 42, and it means to be a, a sharing in a participatory way, meaning that you come to church to give, to participate, to see who needs what. Like, and, and this is another reason why we've been called to this area, and I think this generation needs to hear. Church is not a place where you're called to consume, 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 get spiritually fat, get spiritual diabetes, and go back out there in the world. I, I don't read of a church in the Bible like that. I read of a church that consumes and contributes, consumes and contributes, right? And so I want to pour into you, you pour into me. So we see here where they were connecting. They were giving, caring, sharing, praying, worshiping, eating, and studying every day. And I know we're busy, but all it takes is a text message. All it takes is a phone call. Plan it two weeks out. I can't see you this week, man. All right, let's meet up in two weeks. Let's do it. Small groups are going to be starting February 2017. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have men's groups, a few women's groups. It's going to be a good time for you to get encouraged, for you to become strengthened, for you to get around some people that care about you that are going to push you forward in life. Okay? I'm just going through some things. We are also here to pull out your potential. All right, we're almost done. Give me about 10 minutes. We're okay out there? Just kind of casting some vision and sharing the heart of this house. Pull out your potential. Something great about Jesus is that he had x-ray vision. He saw what was on the inside of people. He called it out. He identified it, and he pulled it out. Okay? Now, potential is the capacity to become or develop into something in, in the future. (laughs) many people, including Christians, are operating in unfulfilled potential. Many people, including believers, as it relates to the kingdom of God. Now, last I checked, 
Maybe I need to inform you if you're new. Maybe I need to remind you, including myself. Last I checked, when we die, we can't carry any of our accomplishments to heaven. The only thing that's going to be accompanying, accompanying us is our works that we did for the Lord, right? And so, because there are two judgments. There's the judgment of the soul, the great white throne judgment, and there's another judgment, a judgment of works. What did you do? And these works will define what you receive in heaven, okay? We don't have time to deal with all that, but there is a judgment for that. It, it doesn't determine whether you get in, but it, God, God is going to be able to look at you, and he's going to be able to say, that was hay, that was wood, that was stubble, that burns. That was gold, that was silver, that stays. That was hay, wood, stubble, that burns. So we got to talk about potential in the body of Christ. I remember when we were starting our website, Chris and Kyra remember this. We were going to pay $6,000 for our website. Has anyone visited our website? Is it pretty cool? $6,000. And I was going to spend it monthly payments. But I said, no, I can't. Chris urged us not to. And he even sat us down and had a little Bible study. Out of the book of James, Chris sat us down. Pastor, we can do this, man. I can do it on my own. Chris has never developed a website in his life. Some people charge $20,000 for a website like ours. And I said, okay, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I said, all right, I'm releasing you. Go ahead and do it. How much is it going to cost? $500. We paid the 500 The website is absolutely amazing, Chris. Give Chris some love, y'all. This was last year. I mean, Instagram, Facebook, he, he does all that, 90% of it. I just put my thoughts into it, my two cents. What he did was he, he tapped into his potential. He went beyond his comfort zone for the glory of God. And God is going to reward you. This, you're 24? This is, another, this is another way I got this team up here. Is I said, look, you're in your mid-20s. If you're going to give it up to God, you better give it up now. Ecclesiastes says this. Call on the name of the Lord in the day of thy youth before the evil days draw near. Thank you, Jesus. I almost forgot the verse. What he was saying is, is that <laughs> what he was saying is, is that the evil days are the days of regret. I can I can I can I can introduce you to a few people. I'm sure you knew you know a few people that will tell you that if I were in my 20s, when that evangelist came to my door and said, man, receive Christ, I would have made that decision. Follow God with all of your heart. Give it all to him. Tithe. Do, do it all, like trust them. This is what it can become. 24 years old, waking up early, works another full-time job. So does the rest of this team, and they're giving it all up for the glory of God. God is going to pay them off in less than three years. I promise it. I guarantee it. And that same promise can be for you. I guarantee it. When you give it all up to Jesus, he's going to bless you. And when you 20s and you 30s out there, you can serve God now. You serve them now so that you're set. You're going to be good. And so we pulled out that potential, and I continue to this day. I say, Chris, that darn picture sucks. Don't you even think about posting it. And he gets upset, and he goes back, and he gives me a better picture because I won't see him operate in a lack of potential in his calling. And it says this, 
Um, great rabbis sought out great potential. Child, you can just stay back there. We're going to go over a little bit today. Is that okay? Just a little bit? Okay. Great rabbis sought out great potential. Jesus was a certain, a certain level of rabbi that um, he, he could interpret the, the Torah on his own. He could just come out with a, an, an interpretation. It was called Smica or, or something like that. And so in order to follow Jesus, you have to come to him and say, hey, rabbi, could I follow you? I got my undergrad in Harvard. I got my master's in, in Princeton. I got, I got my, my PhD at Yale. Hey, can I follow you? And Jesus would have looked at you and he would have said, No. I see a lot of brain power, but I don't see potential. So what did he do? He called fishermen, prostitutes, drug dealers, tax collectors, single moms, young people, uneducated people. And he said, it's you. It's you that I want you, that I want to follow me. Unqualified people with the right raw material. You can do great things for God. At HL, we shouldn't see your struggle, your color, or your sexual orientation, or your education level. God will help us deal with that in your life. God just wants you. As a church, we're called to see people's potential and what God can do in and through your life. So we're called to meet people where they are, but not leave them there. Love can be defined in different ways. The most noblest word for love is a Greek word, agape. It means unconditional love. The, the best definition, though, is this. It's a consuming passion to see others live their best life possible. Like, love in our society has become very shallow. You go on Instagram, oh, I love you, girl. You don't love me. I ain't seen you in weeks. What are you talking about? I'm over here broke as a joke, and you ain't sent me a dollar. You don't love me. Why well, do always equate to money? I'm sorry. So it's a consuming passion to see others. So, like, I tell people all the time, like, when I first, like, my team will ask me, so, you know, what's going on? I, I tell them this. When you first meet a person, you have to ask yourself, is it just that person, or do, do you just, do, do you want to actually become a part of their lives so that, you can, you can play a part in them becoming their best possible person. They have a calling to fulfill. They're people that matter to God. So a lot of my team will ask me, hey, pastor, what's our next step? Well, our next step is for you to build your team. It's for you to reach out to Kevin, to Joe, to Bill, to see how they're doing. Because churches aren't doing that anymore. And they need to know that you care and you love, and, and it's more than just about your nine to five and your struggles. It's about you. Of, come on now. Come on. Come on. Y'all too stiff up in here. It's about seeing people's potential. The most loving thing I can ever do is speak to your potential. It's say you're operating way below where God has called you. And inspire you to fulfill your God-given destiny. In your personal life, you can start that business. You can get that degree. You can rise up in that company. You can influence your family. You can have financial freedom. You can be married. All the good men aren't gone. At Highlight Church, you can lead a team. 
You can fulfill your calling. You can use your gifts. You can go, grow in your relationship with God, and you can serve with excellence in order to make an internal impact on someone's life. Get outside of your shell. Get uncomfortable and allow God to use you. This hasn't been an easy move for us. I miss my mom every day. My dad is 80 years old, and he's slowing down. I could be in Orlando with him. God has called us here to say, hey, you matter, and there's something in you, and we won't allow you not to fulfill your potential in your destiny. Let's clap that up. Last point. I'm sorry, guys. We usually be in our cars by now. Are we okay out there? Last point, reach people. Matthew 28, 18 says this. Jesus came to his disciples. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. So number four, I'm sorry, is reach people. In all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. This is Jesus' promise to us as a church. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm going to make my, my analogies and my points short here um, as we just close out. Um, no, I'm not. So <laughs> how many people wouldn't mind an increase in their paycheck? Show of hands. Let's do it. I'll get us out here in three minutes if you promise to participate. Then, then again, we did move a thousand miles away, so don't don't rush me. Um, how many people wouldn't mind an, an increase? Well, for your mortgage to be paid off next year, your rent, the whole year, great. We love to improve the quality of our lives. Um, how many people would mind a cut in your paycheck? You want to cut in your paycheck, Hannah. That's amazing. How about an increase in your rent and mortgage? We become disheartened by loss and lack. So does God even the more. So in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. Like relationship with God, uh, man had everything man could ever need. You're even walking around quite well with your wife and your spouse before the fall. Uh, all the food you could ever desire. I, we believe that there is a pre-incarnate Jesus that would manifest in the garden and walk with Adam and Eve on a daily basis. And we find this out in Genesis 3. Um, and God was, God was good. He loved it. What happened was in Genesis 3 was the fall, sin. Sin caused that all to, to, to crumble. Now we have sickness, we have disease, we have stress, we have financial struggle, we have broken homes, we have addiction, we have murder, we have war. And the enemy was able to employ his agenda in the garden. And that's what it's been ever since the beginning of time. So we live in a broken world. But thank God Jesus came and he loved us enough to die on that cross for us to give each of us an opportunity. And so what Jesus has now done when he died, laid in the ground for three days, defeated death in the grave, rose back up, he gave us our marching orders as a church. He said, go 
to all the people you know about this good news. Make disciples. A disciple is a student, a follower, which means that you're supposed to become a baby Christian, but you're supposed to grow into an adult believer, someone that has been sent. So the disciples went from disciples to apostles, from students to sent ones. And he gave us our marching orders because there are people out there that are broken. There are people out there that are church hurt. There are people out there that don't know what this verse means in the Bible. And if they got clarity, it would change their lives forever. And he gave the church that call. And that's the call that we have. Um, Jesus has done his part, and now it's our turn. When I see these seats, so God gave me a vision for this church. We have 100 seats out here. I want to get practical. I believe that by January 1st, each of these seats can be filled. Come on, let's clap that up. And so a lot of people, why are you so focused on numbers? Well, because each number represents a life. And the next person I hear tell me, man, this church and that, and I just can't find a church. I don't know, I'm going to blow my top, man. It, it's, it gets borderline depressing because I feel as though, not, not in a literal way, I feel as though if you found this church and you found hope in a church like this, I feel as though someone else can use it as well. So we got to get bold. We got to get people to the house of God. The Matthew 28 verse is called the Great Commission. Great in size, great in quantity. It's vast. It's not a small thing that God has called us to. So with this in closing, this is what I told us at team night. We need to pray three things. I'm not going to preach on these. It's just something I want you to take a note of. Pray for three things. I'm going to give you guys a chance to give your life to Christ if you're out there and you've never given your life to Jesus. Pray for three things. Ask that God would use you beyond your ability to comprehend. Pray for three things this week. Ask that God would give you a heart of service within his church. doesn't have to be here, but you need to find somewhere to serve. Heart of service within the church. And ask that God would give you a heart for people that need to know Jesus Christ. I know I don't know you. I'd be happy to meet you outside, but even during our interest meetings, I was very divisive in my language because I was trying to filter out who was supposed to be here and who wasn't as we started this church. Because I don't believe that the numbers are just important because they're important. I believe that the right numbers can be used to shake the world. So if we got to stay at 50 for a year, come on, clap that up. If we got to stay at 54 a year just so that God can send the right people to touch this city, to touch this region, we will. So what I want to do is let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. Then we're going to open up the floor for you to give your life to Christ if this may be your first time. Father, we love you. God, thank you for sending this church here, Lord. Lord, thank you for all the people that have been touched and impacted. Thank you, Lord, for the lives and the families represented in this room. God, this was a a good talk, but it was a tough talk. 
and allow your seed, the seed of your word, to fall on fertile ground, that it may bear fruit in its season. Lord, help us to pray for lost people. Give us the boldness to love them. Give us the boldness to share the good news. Lord, thank you for the vision of this church. Thank you for the churches in this area that we plan to partner with to get out the good news of Jesus and to serve our community in tangible ways. Lord, we pray that you would bless all of our efforts in your name. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.